Welcome to Writing Easy, the podcast that takes the act of writing, which can sometimes be not easy, and tries to make it less not easy. I'm one of your hosts, Mary Mascari. And I'm your other host, Melissa Long. Today we have a special guest with us. He is a... Are you, a, you're, are you an official professor or just I am an ins- faculty? No, professor requires terminal degree and I never got one. I am an instructor in residence and head of the game design program. Perfect. This is David Abzug, instructor in res. I'm going to try that again. David Abzug, instructor in residence and head of the game design program, is yep. what you just said? Yep. I Short-term memory. It's my strength. At Bradley University. Um, also does all kinds of, kinds of things. You worked at uh, Volition, which is a video mm-hmm. game design company studio place and for many years i've spent uh, 20 years a little over 20 years of my life um working on AAA video games as a designer either mostly at either volition or at microsoft um and i've been i don't know role playing since i don't want to say when yeah <laughs> since <laughs> since you let since, since someone put dice in your hands and it's they a, and you went this could be fun it has yeah. 70s in it <laughs> yeah i've still got my dice from um from the original uh tsr store at lake geneva are they all pockmarked because they were made out of cheap plastic no oh. no they're okay except i lost the d4 i can't find that one but uh, they're kind you have to rub it with a crayon to get the yep. letters the numbers to show up the letters yeah they're special they have letters <laughs> and you had to use the two different to colors of crayons because it was just one through zero done twice yes yes there you go yeah, no, they're, I don't use them, but they're they're special. But anyway, the reason we brought David here, uh, A, because he's a nice guy. Also, because we wanted to talk about storytelling kind of in general. And you've got a lot of great experiences. One of the things that I, I've actually, this is not the first time you've appeared on our podcast, David. Um, I mentioned you in a previous podcast because you have an amazing skill to come up with plot devices on the fly like no one I've ever known. The things that I would sit and, and stew over for days. Like, how am I going to make this happen? And you just kind of go, oh, how about this? I'm like, that, that's perfect. Yeah, that, that would work great. Um, in fact, I think one time I I actually, we were just being smart, Alex, um, if you can believe it. And uh, I think I sent you $5 and you emailed, or you mailed me a list of like 100 story ideas. And I had that <laughs> Oh, good God. I love it. And it probably took you like five minutes to do it. So I don't know. Oh, no, so I'm that's a why slow I wanted typer. to kind of talk to you. Oh, okay. and you, I think you, you may have handwritten it. So I don't know. Uh, I have to find it somewhere. But, but I wanted to kind of get into your head a little mm-hmm. bit because you've got this freedom in storytelling in a way and possibly because you haven't ever gone through the trauma of trying to like write something, write something, you know, like, oh, this is serious. This has to be my, my work. This is where it's more come from a place of, hey, this will be fun. Let's screw around with this with my friends. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to talk about that. Like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you just like come up with stuff? Um, usually what I, I do a lot of crazy word association in my head. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've actually done this experiment a couple of times. And what I come up with often changes based on how people ask the question, um, which is why when I've been running role-playing games, there's some people that thought that I was a very serious GM and some people that thought I was a very silly one because it, it reflects upon the group. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly think a lot of it comes from role-playing, not from, as I joked earlier, not from about a complete lack of preparation and therefore having to wing it in order just to get anything done. 
Though I have seen you do that yes. and brilliantly. Anyway. Thank you. But primarily <laughs> because unlike unlike writing a novel or a short story or a script or and or a mission, which is or a storyline for a game, uh, which are the areas where I've got some level of expertise. You do not have anything remotely resembling something in the ballpark of the area of someone that happened to walk past something that was near complete control. Um, yeah. You're, I, I describe being a game master as you dangle, I, my standard method is you, I dangle plot threads in front of the players. And I know about where I want each thread to end up. And I clearly know where each thread's going to start. But how it gets from point A to point B, I have no idea. Um, and then it, it all gets determined by which plot thread gets picked up and how they search for it. All um, I did a storyline in a superhero game I was running where pre-adolescent Cthulhu entities um, had stolen an artifact from the Field Museum in uh, to open up a black hole to power a computer made out of Legos so they could summon daddy. I knew the party was going to end up in an Aztec pyramid with the event horizon of a black hole coming out of this cube and a computer made out of Legos. I had no idea how they were going to get there except for the fact that there was a clue at the beginning in the field museum. Mm -hmm. And then when the players came up with directions to go, I would come up with things that they could find that would help lead them to that end point. And it's been 40 years of experimenting that way. I've gotten used to my characters not letting me have control over what's going on, yeah. I guess is the way to put it. Um, it also helps that I've never, outside of role-playing, when I'm coming up with stories for the games that I'm working on, I'm on a team of 150. Um, yeah. and Actually, on about a team of 50. Once you get to 150, you've got a separate writing team and they do the okay. writing. But when you're on like a 40 or 50 person team, the design team's coming up with the storylines and you're bouncing back and forth. And it's like a writer's room for a TV show. I know this because I've worked with a couple of writers that worked on TV shows and they told me it felt that way. Not that I've ever worked mm -hmm. on a TV show. But where, again, you don't have full ownership of what you're writing. And it's you and six other people riffing off of each other and going back and forth. Yeah, I would think that improvisation of like being in a collaborative team or a collaborative room, you're able to, it like takes off the pressure, right? So you're able to throw out an idea mm -hmm. and not know where it's going yep. and allow someone to build from it. Whereas if you're writing alone, you have, like you said, you have sole control over it. So if I toss out an idea, then I have to figure out how to make it work. And then there's pressure of like, is this, does this make sense or not? And who's going to see it? Whereas like there's a safety in a, in a design room, in a writer's room or in a role-playing game, because it's like, it's just for fun. Yeah. It's like, we just toss this out and, and see where it goes. Exactly. And it's with the right group, you get so much more creativity out of what you're yeah. doing. Um, now you lose other things like you don't get anywhere near as cool dialogue when you're coming off, uh, coming up at it off the cuff, <laughs> off the cuff, as opposed to sitting down and figuring it out. But your your plot line takes so many more sharp left turns in Albuquerque mm -hmm. um, than what you could have possibly expected. 
Um, I, I ran a, my favorite my favorite story. And I'll uh, maybe I'll tell the full one later. But basically, the, I, I did a lot of superhero role playing in, when I was younger, and they did the party defeated a demon that was putting contracts for people's souls into computer software. And they found themselves and they were fighting the demon. And there was this pit full of beating human hearts, which represented the souls that were taken. Um, And when they beat the demon, the demon got banished to hell and the souls went with it. And I thought that was the end of the story. You know, it had gotten the souls legally. Mm-hmm. It took the souls. No, the party decided then and there that they were going to travel to hell and sue the demon to get the <laughs> souls back. And so uh, in the middle of all this, I had to come up with hell. Right. Off the top of my head. Um, and to to go back to my original thought, someone, someone, I can't remember who it was, mentioned something about are we going to heaven or hell? And that stuck in my mind. And so there became a hotel lobby with one up elevator and one down elevator. And you had to sign in to determine where you were going. People would say things and I'd riff off of it. You just pick them. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's cool about this technique, and I think can be adapted to someone working alone, Mm -hmm. is that you're not putting any, you know, these ideas, none of them are are like, you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. You're just playing, Mm -hmm. right? And I think a writer working alone on a draft can be just playing like, Oh, here's this idea. Let's see where this goes and let's play with that. And where, whereas in a group setting, you're bouncing off each other. Um, when you're by yourself, you're, you're bouncing off yourself and I'm not going to make the playing with yourself joke. Just so you know, that's not happening. Um, very nice self-control there. Thank right. you. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that because that would be immature. Um, but you can do that. You know, that same idea of like, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to throw this out here. We're just going to have fun with it. What's this idea? I don't know. Let's try this. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Well, let's see what happens here. And that sort of freedom. Because, and also, I think the other thing, thing that helps is that you, you can't go back, right? Because you're kind of committed to being like, nope, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're not going to go back and question yourself. You know, you're not going to be, be like, oh, oh I, no, that was wrong. Okay, never mind. You know, just, just go. Just roll yeah. with it. Um, and although it sounds like I'm saying kind of contradictory things when you're by yourself by doing multiple drafts and then also sticking with it and not changing you know that both those things have a have a place to be and the idea is that like it's you know i've said before writing is kind of cheap so any any particular idea you have is Mm -hmm. not the be all and end all it's just a little thing you come up with it you play with it and uh see what happens and a lot i think a lot of successful authors authors have done that because i can't count the number of short stories i've read that were prefaced with this started out as a chapter in this novel, but it didn't fit in the novel. So I cut it out and threw it off to the side and then eventually wrote it as a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is me doing absolutely nothing but conjecture. And so. Yeah, no, and I, that happens. Absolutely. No question. Mm-hmm. You got, I've, I've done a thing where a short story started one way, went off in a whole completely other direction, mm-hmm. you know, went up, down, around and through. And then one of the things that happened like halfway over, I'm like, well, that was kind of cool doesn't fit here but i'm gonna put it over here and then we'll play with that later um and it, yeah it just comes from a, a feeling of of not putting too much weight on any of the yep. stuff uh, any of your ideas any of your work any of your drafts don't you know to, to kind of come from this fast loose sort of place where you're just kind of like hey man we're just gonna get through it we're just gonna do some stuff and we'll see what happens mm-hmm. I, I, and later 
Oh, go ahead. I'd add another thing that really helps with it. And I think, like I said, I don't, I've, I think would translate well is doing, doing world building and backstory. Mm. When I build a world for a role-playing game or when I'm building a um, storyline for a game, the first thing that I always do is, okay, what's the world like? What's the world trying to, to accomplish? What are the goals? Like, if it's a fantasy world, okay, what's the religions? What's mm-hmm. the, why are, is there conflict between these nations? And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that 99.997% of it doesn't show up in game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what matters is that when somebody goes looking that direction, I've got a framework available that I can throw things into. And it's like, I've got the foundation built for the house. I don't know what the house is going to be, but. But, you know, you know, if they climb the stairs, there's going to be stairs there. You'll put, he'll hang the pictures up right before they get there, but at least the stairs are in place. Exactly. I've got a fantasy world I've been running games in now for nine years. That's about to retire in about three or four gaming sessions. Oh man. Um, Because after nine years this is the first party that ever caught on to the concept that was built into the world at the beginning that, that the gods have been feeding off of the planet and people's worship and are keeping the planet itself with it, which is sentient subdued in order to maintain the channel that lets them gain energy from their, from the people's worship. Oh, wow. Um, That's dark. And it's, uh, yeah <laughs> i'm not saying that's bad i'm just saying that's dark i know i like i want to play it <laughs> <laughs> but the, the party is just starting to realize that and they're heading it's a, i'm not going to go into details on it because it's a role nobody likes hearing about other people's role-playing games um it's true but they're it's like talking in detail about your story You're like yeah, yeah, yeah okay whatever at a, yeah, at a <laughs> yeah. general at a general level the important part is that nine years ago when I was writing up the history of the world, I'm like, this would be cool. Mm-hmm. And it took nine years for someone to, for someone to twig to it and decide, and decide as a group to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they f- do something about it, assuming they succeed and I'm going to set it up where that's possible, I'm going to retire the world and make another one. Yeah. But um, you had it all there. Yeah. And you didn't feel the need to, cram it all into everything either which i think is another good lesson for a writer to take is you have all this stuff but again it's it's all iceberg right it's all mm-hmm. below it's not in there you don't feel like oh but i worked so hard i want you to see this like well it gets it happens when it happens and, and it took nine years for it to come in but it did you know and i think the other the other side effect of doing that backstory is flexibility um there's been a couple of times where i've changed parts of that backstory because nobody would stumbled upon it and this group would be more fun if this part of the backstory was that way. Um, I've got a race of beings that consider everybody else non-sentient and so barely worth talking to. And mm-hmm. the reason for that started out as reason A, but once a party was deeply involved in that portion of the world, became a different reason because it was more fun that way. Mm-hmm. So, and again, the details are unimportant. The The important part is if you haven't already established it, don't be afraid to change it. There are times where you can also retcon it, but 
if it hasn't even been conned in the first place. Well, the nice thing about writing is that you can retcon all you want. <laughs> it's all retcon. <laughs> You're like, yeah, nope, changing this. I did that all the time. I call it Bill and Tedding, mm-hmm. where I'll I'll come up with like, oh, I know what should have happened here. And I'll make a note to myself, go back in chapter three and set this up. Like they do at the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm-hmm. right? Where they, they get a time machine like, oh, note to self, put the trash can here. I can't remember the specific things, but yeah, so that's even better. Yeah, you have all of this stuff. You know, I, I, I think the biggest lesson to take from this is just, is that you're playing, is to think of it as play. Um, obviously, later on, eventually you get to, you know, more work, you know, because you got to, you know, polish it up and, and neaten it. Mm-hmm. But for, I think, a good chunk of the work, play, man. Set up a, set up your oh, field, yeah. set yeah. up your pitch, and then go in there and, and just, you know, fuck around. See what you come up mm-hmm. with. And don't be afraid, because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been plenty of times, David, where you've made a decision on something, and it was, and it's like, oh, oh, I, I shouldn't have done this. This was a mistake. Yep. But you just roll with it. You do what you can with it. And like, one thing that writing and game design have in common is they're two of the few careers or jo- or whatever you want to call them, where fuck around and find out is a job description rather than a warning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> And that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. It can also make it scary because you don't know, yes. but yeah. But I'm, I have a personality. My, you have a personality? No. I have three. Um, <laughs> when I was like nine, my dad finally turned around while we were driving and he pulled, you know, pulled up to a stoplight, turned around and went, I can't take it. If you say what if one more time, I'm going to go crazy. <laughs> and I sat there for like three minutes. And then I went, Dad? And he went, what? And I went, what would happen if? <laughs> yeah, so not only are you curious and uh, speculative, mm-hmm. you're also a smart aleck. But we knew this. Well, I, and rules I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck then. No. Then I was like, lawyer. he didn't say say what. He said, don't say what if. Okay. But I really want to ask this question. Yeah. You're, you're also a rules lawyer. I am absolutely a rules lawyer. That is, that is very true. My, my only saving grace is I try to use my powers for good. Hey, guys. It's Barry. A little peek behind the curtain there. Uh, after that wonderful interview with David Abzug, the internet decided that we were done and uh, cut off the call. Fortunately, it had really good taste and it ended in a really good place. And also, David did agree to join us again, uh, so he'll be back next week to tell us more about, mostly about kind of more about video gaming rather than we kind of talked about um, role-playing gaming. Uh, but he'll be back next week to talk more. Um, but I'm here alone finishing it up. This is going to be very lonely. Uh, so I'm just going to, by myself, remind you that writing is hard. So take it easy. I'm Mary, and this is not Melissa. Bye, everybody. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous ending ever. <laughs>